This podcast is sponsored by eBay Canada. eBay Canada is here to help. They've been supporting Canadian small business retailers for 25 years and have recently launched their up and running program to meet an urgent need to get businesses online today. New business sellers can get a free e-commerce store for 90 days when they visit ebay.ca slash up and running. Offer open until August the 22nd. It's Vancouver's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hi, this is Angela Fay from Canada's Podcast, welcoming Kareem Benjafar here from Vancouver today. Hi. Hi, Angela. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for taking the time. Absolutely. We're having we're having a beautiful uh, blue sky day over here on Vancouver Island. How about you in Vancouver? Well, I... I, I suspect your background may be doctored. I'm not an expert. Uh, Absolutely. It's not quite this, but it's not far off. <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word for it. That might be getting deep faked here. But uh, no, Vancouver is Vancouver in June. It's, we think it's sunny and it's raining and we think it's raining and oh my God, the sun comes out. So, so uh, we, we so can't true. We could probably have a whole entire podcast on the crazy, crazy and beautiful things about uh, Vancouver, but uh, this is a little bit more about you. So I would love to get more about your entrepreneurial journey. Well, if it's about me, your viewership just dropped to one. I'm <laughs> um, So uh, real, real quick. Yeah, I've been in tech now for about uh, 12 years, specifically in FinTech. I was very, very lucky. It was, it was primarily right place, right time. I joined a company. Um, that went public. And then we spun out after that to another company that was a founding employee. That was a three-year journey, again, in, in FinTech, specifically payments, uh, we were acquired. And uh, I th- afterwards, yeah, then we did the insane thing of, of uh, joining the exit team, one company while founding another and uh, sitting on the advisory board of a third company. And primarily just to, to realize that I came a little bit late to the game. I didn't get into tech or anything serious, really outside of corporate business uh, till I was 29. So I, I was dealing with people who were 23, 24, uh, and everybody's much smarter than me in this game. Uh, so I just I just had to widen my perspective as much as possible, take on as much as I can as I could. Um, and again, because I was lucky enough to surround myself with very smart people, I got the dual benefit of mentorship and learning, as well as you know piggybacking on their success to the point where now, um, you know, I'm currently at Beanworks, I'm the president, uh, was brought on three years ago by Catherine Dollar, CEO and founder. And, uh, you know, we've been tripling growth every year. And I think, you know, there's some excitement stuff happening for us in the future. Um, and, uh, and you know, I teach, uh, I lecture at SFU, uh, or, sorry, uh, our university here in the MBA program and the, the guest lecture on uh, entrepreneurship at the School of Business. I run accelerators and incubators, whether it's a three-week program to a six-month program. And I, I speak at conferences and I just... Do the best I can to help businesses understand that growth isn't a difficult thing. Uh, it's formulaic. You just have to know what quadrant you're in and you can step in the footsteps of giants before you. There is, of course, a little bit of art. It's not all science. Uh, but uh, ultimately, if you have decent product market fit, a relevant thesis, you know, not only should you do well, you should do incredibly well. Uh, it's still green, green, uh, blue sky out there. So uh, that's what I do. I'm, I'm a growth expert and, uh, you know, I'm, now I'm 44. Um, I think this will be my last company. And after that, I'm probably just going to, you know, just advise and, 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 and provide value wherever I'm asked for once my journey here at Beamwork is done. Now, we're going to go more into the quadrants. Uh, that's our, our part of our plan for today. But I want to go back a little bit to pre-29. 
how did you like what's your what's your roots and your passion as a as a kid and and how did you end up in uh or are you born and raised in vancouver yeah i was born and raised in vancouver we spent a few okay. years in Kelowna. so uh, wow i wasn't expecting that um i'm not that interesting uh i, I you know was a wild kid I, i'm not i'm not gonna let you sit on that one i think you're incredibly interesting so <laughs> Well, the backstory is always intriguing. My my IG is fake. It's it's it's, it's glam life. I you know I I was I was wild. Uh, uh, you know I had some pretty rowdy friends. Uh, I I was one of those guys that um, you know my father came from Tunisia. He was in the military. Uh, he went to Italy to get an education. Then France. So he had a degree in mathematics and a degree in fine arts. And he came here and he was a truck driver. And uh, growing up, you know, I always felt my dad was the smartest man in the room. And yet, you know, he can never, uh, you know, uh, really get to the level that I thought of his contribution that I felt that he could. And, you know, I had a chip on my shoulder because of that. Um, and, you know, I was, so I was a, when I was going to university, I was a bouncer and I got into that whole lifestyle and I had some rowdy friends and I made every mistake you can imagine. Uh, and finally, what, what triggered it for me was humility that this mm. idea that I deserve more out of life, my father deserved more life than he's getting, and then therefore I deserve more out of life. Um, that was misguided. And, you know, it was really my father who at one point when I, I, you know, made a series of errors, he's like, okay, you're not a kid anymore. People don't think it's funny anymore. Um, you need to grow up. And if you don't, um, your dad, I'm always going to be there for you. But at some point you need to start taking on serious responsibility now. And that was a wake up call. And then I realized that waking up with day, not looking at what I don't have, but being grateful for what I do, you know, paradoxically actually lets you get the things that you want. Because gratitude and, and humility, that's an inviting characteristic. I mean, whether you're spiritual or religious, I think there, there's, a, there's an element to that where the universe responds. Um, but people respond as well. And nobody likes somebody who feels that they got a raw deal. You know, take personal responsibility, better yourself, make the people around you better. In service to others, you serve yourself. So I had a massive change in my late 20s. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I married... I won the lottery. I, I married the, 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 the best possible person on the planet. I, I wake up every day wondering how the hell am I this lucky? Two wonderful children. My, my daughter just graduated from law school. My, my son's in, in business uh, and as well. He's working at CIBC while going to university. So my kids have never been rebellious. So all the stuff I did to my parents didn't happen to me. Uh, and, and I surrounded myself with the right people. I think I've adopted the right values. And I just worked my ass off. Uh, but in a way, not like like just in a in a in a way of saying, how do I bring value? How do I get into a free exchange in a free market system? It's I have to do things that people voluntarily want to purchase off me, which means I have to provide a tremendous amount of value in what I do. So whether it's the products we build or the services we put together or the ideas we put forth, it has to win in the marketplace of ideas, and it has to be of such quality that people line up to give you their cash, as opposed to I deserve more cash because you know. I got a raw deal when I was younger. So that little paradigm mm -hmm. shift is super obvious now and, and you know, in your 30s and now in my 40s. But when you're late teen or early 20s, you can say it, but you don't really live it. There's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. You, you can hear the words, but you have to get, excuse me, you have to get your ass kicked a few times by life to realize yeah. that, man, that attitude doesn't help at all. And, and I concur completely. There's something magical about our 40s, I got to say about, you know, you, you've kind of, done the hard yards, 
you know, had some great experience, life experiences, and now it just kind of emerges and happens for us. But I, I want to jump on to that um, creating value for customers and, you know, having people buy from you because let's, let's talk a little bit about Beanworks. You know, as we, as we met each other, you told me that, you know, the last era here has been some of the highest number of clients being onboarding with Beanworks. So can you share, what are you doing? Like what's the actual product or service of Beanworks and why now? What's happening? Yeah. So from, let's say, 2008 to 2020, really, till January, um, we were on a 12-year you know, uh, bull, bull run. The economy was growing. You know, We had a recession in 2018, but that necessitated also a recovery. And, and businesses, for the last 12 years, you know, especially if, you, if you're really founding a company in 2012, 2013, all you've known is growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have the, the good fortune of having been mentored by people who are around during, in fact, uh, some of my friends was I was you know a bouncer during the dot com bubble, uh, and I met some pretty interesting, very smart people, and they've been lifelong friends because they made you know their fortune and they took a serious hit in the two thousands. So they've been through the two thousand dot com bubble, then the two thousand eight Great Recession, and this is their third time. So in having these conversations and also studying incredibly smart people, uh, for example, I can drop, drop some names right now. If, if listeners can go and, and I have a reading list that I highly recommend people follow. Uh, for example, right now, uh, Patrick Campbell from, uh, he used to be from ProfitWell. Now he calls, uh, or Price Intelligently, his company is now called ProfitWell, really put on the data that shows that what matters to customers in a recession is incredibly different than what matters in, you know, right. a both economy. So looking at the numbers and, and listening to the war stories of those before me, as well as, you know, adapting it to the technology and the, 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 the facts of 2020, the idea was, well, it's now February. Let's commit to the reality that we are now in a recession and that our buyers care about different things. They're scared. Their you know, government shutting down their businesses or they're voluntarily shutting it down uh, because of COVID. Um, and there's a, a negative feedback loop now as the economy contracts. People are worried about cash. Why don't we, instead of just hoping that this is a small blimp, uh, let's lean into the recession. Let's completely shift our value prop to matter to our customers. And, and just give you a very interesting number. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at, for example, March 2019, and these numbers, by the way, are provided again by uh, ProfitWell. If you look at it, imagine you have um, zero, so you have a, a graph, and the zero line is value props that perform like everyone else. So it doesn't mean that it's zero value prop. It just means, you know, you put one unit of, of you put one dollar in and you get whatever the average dollar is out, 50 cents on your value prop and customers or dollar, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. So that's that's the baseline. Value props for the last few years, uh, prior to 2019, let's say the last two years, that were about hey, you know, we're going to create, we're going to increase uh, efficiency in your company, or we're going to help you make money. You know, those converted, let's say, at 20% above the average. And value props that we're going to help you save money, they converted 11% above the average. So everybody always wants to save money. Uh, but during a growth economy, what really matters is, you know, the quality of life, the things that, oh, I can help, I can spend a little money to accelerate my growth. Or another one, if it's not purely about growth, it's think on the terms of like what we call the DEA model, delegate, eliminate, you know, automate. So let's say there's something that is of high business value, but very low personal value, something like payroll. You know, your business got to get payroll, just got to get done. But no accountant, you know, went to school, 
to learn how to do payroll. It's like one of the worst parts of the job. AP, what we do here, that is the worst part of their job. That's why we're just such a rocket company because um, nobody wants to do it. So, it, But it has to get done. So when you can go to someone and say, look, you know that part of your job that you hate doing? Well, you can delegate it, eliminate it, or automate mm-hmm. it by our product or service. That's a very easy step, right? As long as you do it well and, and there, you know, there's certain obviously rules around that. Now, But now in this economy, if you look at the numbers from March 2020, value props that had to do with, hey, we're going to make your life easy. We're going to, we're going to help grow your business. You're going to be more efficient. You know, that dropped to 8% above the average. But value props that were about, we're going to help you keep the lights on. We're going to help you save money. We're going to have to make sure that you have to lay off as few people as possible. You know, those value props were uh, 31%, if I remember correctly, uh, above the average. So in other words, when you do the math, value props that had to do with, we're going to save you money, were three times more effective in March of 2020 than in March of 2019. And value props that were about DEA, you know, delegated, limited, automate, we're going to make your life easier. Uh, we're going to help you, you know, up Maslow's hierarchy, you know, move from the yep. big business to self-actualization. Those dropped in hats. So that N is mad. You, don't even, you never see that. So that means you have to pay attention. That means that you may have an opinion on the economy. You may have a, a sense of what your buyers want. But you know who, who, who knows what your buyers want? Your buyers. And right. when you have an aggregate set of data, you can say, now we've got to change our value prop. So all that being said, we made the, we made the choice in February to, to make a very dangerous assumption. Uh, well, maybe dangerous is not the right word, but we risked it all by saying, look, the recession is here. Our buyers are scared. We have to be humble and we have to, 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 to tweak ourselves a little bit. Uh, in terms of what we do, but a, a lot of times in terms of the way we we explain our value so that our, it resonates with the real emotional and uh, uh, business necessities of our customers. So the way I wrap this all up is we did something called the three R's. Our entire business was now based on reduced costs, reduced risk, remote work. So before that, we had a different value prop. Now we went to it's all about the three R's. So every piece of content, our website, the way we train the salespeople, our customer success, our customer experience, you know, our product releases, all has to do with, does it meet the stations of the three R's? Does it reduce risk for our customers? Does it reduce cost for our customers? Or does it enable remote work, like getting off paper checks, keeping the accounts from right. having to come into the office to do tedious processes when now they don't want to come to the office? Those are the three things that matter. And we leaned into it. And what happened was, uh, we've been, again, a triple-triple-double-double tech company. So in tech parlance, you know, you want to triple sales, triple sales, double sales, double sales, right? Like you you want to go that VC pathway. So we're, we're incredibly effective at it. Um, we were celebrated for it, won awards. We were, we, we, so we would, we would be we objectively valued as a high-growth company. Despite that growth, we absolutely knocked it out of the park the last three months. So previous success was... Uh, eclipsed by current success in a much more difficult market. Hmm. So we, I think we added 30 something, 35% more customers in in uh, uh, March, April, May than we did in March, April, May of any time in the past. Thank you for those insights. F- fantastic. I, I um, One of my questions for you, uh, Kareem, is in regards to being an accelerator guru, uh, that's my words, not yours, is, you know, a person that, you know, goes through the process of helping other companies accelerate. Obviously, somehow outside of your own company, you find time to do that. Is it a business as well? Like, are you an investor? Well, yeah. So my business model is this. Um, you give value, 
And then you want to put yourself in a position where people enthusiastically open up their wallets. So uh, right now I have 23 companies that I coach. Uh, and again, okay. very, very straightforward uh, manner that we do that in. There's a certain time commitment. They have to show seriousness of purpose. You know, we spend a half hour on the phone once every two weeks or an hour, depending on their business needs. And at the beginning, you know, we, the first three months, uh, we just get to know each other. But I give them everything I have to give, uh, which is primarily just, you know, my opinions and my, my, my vantage points. It's very easy to say, thou shalt do this. You know, they're the ones who do it. So there's, I have no illusions as to, as, as to how hard <laughs> guys work. But in return, after three months or so, it's like, okay, what do you think this is worth? And I never want to take, you know, uh, dollars out of the business. So usually it's in terms of advisor shares or I join the board formally, I join the advisory board and, you know, we work together. This way I have skin in the game. So that's like my, my passion once I'm done at Beanworks would be primarily to just do that, to just work with really smart people, solve meaty problems as a team, help them grow their business and only participate in their success if they're successful. Well, and it sounds to me like a little mini uh, Shark's Tank slash Dragon's Den, Kareem's version of it. Or, or yeah, the Hippo Pit. <laughs> Could you share a little bit of insights on the type of companies that you're, that you're looking out for in that accelerator, either pre-COVID, like how many of the companies came on pre-COVID versus post-COVID? And what are you looking for now, you know, in, in a recovery phase? You, you, you ask great questions, Angela. That, that's... Uh... That's awesome. You're asking for my, my secret playbook. And, and Sorry. Sorry. And I do under, I, in all fairness, I understand the playbook. And if it's a little bit secretive, it, it's trends, if nothing else. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, you, you got me talking about my difficult childhood. So we had an Oprah moment. I was talking about my dad. I was about to cry. Now you're asking for the secret sauce. I think, I think you're going to do, you're going to do very well if you <laughs> already. Um, no, it's quite simple. Uh, Different investors have, have different investor thesis. So, so I admire certain, uh, in fact, there's quite a few VCs and, and, and uh, wealth managers that I admire. And for example, on our board, uh, one of our investors is Fintop. So Joe Maxwell, um, and he has a thesis. And this guy's just a wizard. He's, he's one of the best people I've worked with. And, uh, you know, he has a thesis around, around financial technology. And they double down on it and they're incredibly successful. Like they, I think they, their benchmarks, they blow, you know, uh, firms of their size out of the water. Um, my approach is, is a little bit different. I don't have a thesis on a marketplace. I'm not smart enough. I don't have a full team or the experience that Joe does. For me, I look for one thing. It, it's, it's the leadership team. And I use, you know, uh, uh, a approach, you know, uh, from, uh, from HubSpot. The idea that if you do regressive analysis of the traits that cause, particularly in his case, sales and marketing people, but I think it applies to leadership that have them perform better than their, their, their competitors or better than others. Uh, in that aggressive analysis of traits, you can stack order, uh, you can rank order traits. Um, you can say things like, you know, confidence or vision or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. grandiosity, all this and that. Like, but the, the traits that are positively correlated with success are intelligence, coach, coachability and curiosity. That's what I look for. If, if I'm dealing with a leadership team, a founder, and it could be somebody that their product makes no sense to me. Like I just like, like the pet rock, digital pet rock. It makes, it makes no sense. But if I'm a team, and I know, I know, like if I, if I sold you on Pokemon right now, nobody, if it was my idea, we'd never heard of it. Yeah, people are going to run around and they're going to hit like a, a squirtle. What the hell's a squirtle? Well, it's a squirrel turtle and you're going to catch it with a yellow ball. So you're going to like enslave animals? Kind of. Exactly. Who would have ever guessed, right? But I, I'm the dumbest guy in the room. So I said, well, maybe you know something I don't. 
But what I do know is that you come across as coachable, you're intelligent, and you're curious. Every other trade means nothing to me. You know, conscientiousness, working hard, I think there's just table stakes. That has to be there. Like, this is a hard game. You need to work hard. If you have the hubris of thinking you can build in three years what takes other people 30 years to build, um, the work ethic has to be there. has to be there. So for me, I don't even consider work ethic. It has to be there. You know, work ethic, uh, you know, uh, integrity, those are just, those are just a given. Those are givens. But if that is there, it's those three traits. And then, and I think my thesis has worked pretty well. Uh, I have companies that have that, that succeeded wildly and I have companies that are still trucking along, but so far, none of them have gone under. And then we've had some pretty wild successes too. I don't know. That, that's my playbook. And I, you know what? I invite everybody to do it. Work with people who are coachable, intelligent, and curious, and, and, and you'll do fine. This podcast is sponsored by eBay Canada. eBay Canada is powering Canadian small businesses. Go to ebay.ca slash up and running to open your online shop. So one thing we talked about uh, earlier was some general insights, if you like, given that we have quite a diverse audience uh, of listeners. So, you know, there are, most of them are business decision makers or entrepreneurs for sure. Uh, navigating the bear market. So we talked a little bit about what a bull market is. These are sort of new terms for me, really, as far as, you know, when, when there's just natural growth. But the bear market is not that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we hinted earlier that we were going to talk about the quadrants. So l- let's dive into that a little bit. Could you, could you share your intel there? Sure, no problem. So l- l- let's imagine this. You have a uh, simple, simple two-by-two grid, okay? You have your company right now is in a low-cash position or a high-cash position, okay? And then so that's the y-axis. And the x-axis is, you know, you believe their cover will be slow or you believe the cover will be fast. So I have a little bit of cash in the bank so I can survive for three months, or I have a lot of cash in the bank, I can survive for two years. And then the other axis is this thing, you know, where it's a V-shaped recovery. So we just got to kind of weather the storm for three to six months, or this is a U-shaped recovery and Mm -hmm. it'll take two years. And for example, if we look at, uh, let's say around 9-11, when government uh, shut down only for two, three days, the entire travel industry, the lowest point was 18 months later. Now we've been shut down for three months. Um, so if the past is an indicator of future, but again, there are new uh, logistics are in place, the world sure. is flatter, we have globalization. Like, you know, again, these are these are macroeconomic conversations that are for people way smarter than me, right? So I'm not gonna pretend that I, I know what it is, um, but I'm just, you just say, look, let's prepare for both. But ultimately you gotta pick a quadrant too. So for your business, you've gotta pick a quadrant. Let's go over if you want. I can go over a strategy for all four quadrants. I think we should do that because I think um, people are generally pretty aware of where they are in the in the quadrant. You know what how much cash you have in your bank. I understand the recovery is a little bit of a projection, you know, and and people are doing their own research and and trusting their gut a little bit. But let's talk about a, a strategy for each each sure. quadrant. Sure. Okay, so let's take the hardest one. Okay. Months of cash left in the bank and the recovery is going to take forever. It's going to take 18 months, 24 months. So there are two types of companies that there are two types of strategies that you can employ. Okay. You can have the the companies, you can be one of two companies is a better way to say. You can be the kind of company that decides to cut staff uh, too much. You cut way too deep. And a year later, you realize that, you know, every time you let go of an engineer, it costs you 80 to hundred thousand dollars to rehire that role. So you cut too deep and you regret it. And there's a second type of company who is filing for bankruptcy. That's it. You have to take this very seriously to protect your business. If you have a little cash, 
and it's going to be a long recovery. Again, which one do you want to be? Do you want to be conservative and cut too deep, but be but live, or do you want to uh, you know be uh, be uh, shut down your company six months from now? It's it's yes, I know that's a very hard approach, and it may sit not well with some members of the audience going, well, it can't be that. No, like, when there's a doubt, there's no doubt. You have a financial responsibility, not just to shareholders, but to your employees, to your brand, to your customers. Absolutely. You to keep your company alive. And if that means that you've got to make some very difficult decisions and, 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 and let go of some very talented people who will cost your business a, a tremendous premium to hire that person back or someone like them back, that's all right. You know, life is long and opportunities abound. Survive. Right. Now you say, okay, that's great, Kareem. I, you know, that falls in the category of, I didn't want to hear that. But uh, like, yeah, (laughs) you know, there's no real insight there, right? No, but it's the hard reality. Yeah. But then you say, okay, now what else can we do? Well, now there's some strategies. You can say, look, cash is king. So here's what you do. What, what, What value do you bring to the market? So what do your customers care about? Because remember, if you have less cash, remember your customers have less cash. So why don't you do this? What if you can offer your product uh, and you say, look, I know cash is very, very tight for you and tight for us, but normally if you you pay for our product one year in advance right rather than go monthly you pay yearly we give you eight percent and i highly recommend everybody say you get one month free because it sounds better than eight percent right so rather than give me a thousand bucks a hundred bucks a month you know uh, you know you give me a thousand bucks for the year right but you give it to me up front that's every business does that what you can do is say look why don't you take our product now and you get it for six hundred dollars you get fifty percent off you know you get you can make you make it so compelling Mm-hmm. That your customers will say, you know what? I know the value of your product. We don't have a lot of money right now. So we're not going to sell your prospects. We're not going to purchase it because, you know, we would have purchased it if we had more money or, you know, during the selling cycle, you had a 30% chance of winning our business. But the fact that you made your product so attractive, given the price point, it means that it's no longer, uh, this is no longer a decision. This is an IQ test. Yeah, of course, we're going to buy you guys at 50, uh, 50 uh, cents uh, on the dollar, your product. And what happens is, but remember, it, it sunsets after a year. So you survive the year by getting the cash today. You know, so your business hopefully is cash flow positive. Um, yes, your, 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 your ARPA has gone, our average revenue per account has gone down. However, you've survived. You've got a, you've got the year's worth of cash up front, even though you're giving it away. And those customers a year or two from now, you start to gradually uh, scold them, uh, raise them up. So you put in the contract. This is a one year deal only. You know, you can even put in um, the rates automatically go up. There's an auto renewal 30 days out from your contract a renewal. Uh, it'll be renewed at 25% because this is a, a big 50% discount. So year two, you're 25% and year three, you're back to parity. Like there's, there's a ton of things you can do, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the best lever you can pull is to say, not we're going to give you 50% discount, but you pay us monthly. No, no, it's get the cash now. You pay us up front for the year. We're going to give you 50% of what you normally would have paid us, right? So that is like a survival mechanism. It works. And people say, well, you know, Steve Jobs said your, your brand is your price. Well, yeah, fair enough. But you, your brand's not alive three months from now. What are you going to do? <laughs> right. And I like pricing. And I'm sure we could probably come up with one or two other strategy in the, in the hard quadrant. But let's jump to another quadrant. So we've got low cash flow and maybe a, a V because so that was like the U, yeah. U economy recovery, right? We're longer, slower recovery and low cash flow. Let's talk low cash flow, maybe V. That, that's fine. So let's say you say, yeah, we only have three months, but um, 
we think that in three months from now, the economy is going to get better. So what do you do? So what you can do is say, look, we can survive for three months. But remember, my motto is this. There's always, you can always grow. Like you're never, even the model of cutting cash, the reason why we're signing people up is because we want to grow our business. You know, we, we want every month this grow by five, 10%. We never want to stop growing. So under the, the, the fast recovery, but low cash, you can say this. First of all, you got to be right that your customers will have cash in three months, but you say, here's what we're going to do. We're worried about cash. You're worried about cash. Why don't we do this? You sign a one-year contract with us now, and we will waive your first three months. So by the time that your cash flow gets close to the negative mark, you sign up all these customers and you start billing them, you know, when they start having money again. So one, one of my, uh, one of my portfolio companies, um, they, they deal with, uh, dental offices. So the, the government shut down 250,000 dental offices in North America. So what they did is they reached out to every dental office and said, look, we get that you're shut down. Why don't we do this? Take our product now because it's a patient communication tool. It's called Intivio, fantastic company. And they say, now is not the time not to have our tool. Even if your business shut down, you wanna be in constant communication with the customer say, hey, look, you know, you should be flossing, you should be doing this, you know, and what's gonna happen when people haven't been to the dentist and they got stank breath for four months, you know, and now all of a sudden, how are you gonna book all those appointments? So you also wanna be managing their expectations so that way by the time you can reopen, you have an orderly queue. And what about people who have dental surgeries or people who are high risk, right? Or people who have fillings that are overdue, like all this sort of stuff. So you say, look, now is not the time to be without our product. So here's what you do. You take it, use it for free because it's a critical part. It's a must have, not a nice to have. And three months from now, four months from now, once you have butts in your seats, in fact, we won't even put a time limit to it. When you have butts in your seats again for a full 30 days, we will auto activate the billing. So what they're doing, they're just gobbling up market share. They're signing up all the dental offices who before, you know, they had to do the demo and go through the procurement process. Now the dentist, wait a minute, I get this tool, I get it for free. And three, four months from now, when my business is back up and running, you know, only then you're going to charge me. And then they said, look, and if you don't like it, you don't have to pay us. You, we just we just turn it off. Right. So they're on, they're actually not in the position of low cash. Um, they're in the we were saying fast recovery. But. Because they're a very savvy uh, 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 set of operators, they're acting as though they have low cash because they love the strategy. We can survive for two years. However, we're going to add, well, let's pretend we can't. And let's just, let's just use this as an opportunity. Instead of signing up 30, 40 dental offices a month, we're going to sign up 60, 70 now. We're going to double our counts. And the moment the market, um, the moment the dental offices reopen, we're, we're embedded in all of these customers and bam, we're going to get a massive spike in revenue. And right. we also give them because we believe in our product. Remember, value is everything. We believe in our product. So that way, if they're using us for, you know, a month or two or three and they say, ah, this is not that great. Hey, you didn't you didn't sign your first born away. You just fire, hit the delete button. But their product is so good that they know once the dental officers start using it, they're never going to not want to use it. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's talk what, what what's happening in the the higher cash flow companies. What what are they what are they doing right now? So if you have high cash, again, you think it's a slow or long recovery. If it's a slow recovery, again, you don't have to lay people off, but you should maybe freeze hires. Only only, only go, and this is what falls in the dull category. But if you have a lot of cash, but it's a slow recovery, you know, maybe freeze hires, you know, re rethink your, your, your annual operating plan. But this is an opportunity now, because you have the cash, to say, well, this market conditions are going to be this way for two or three years. Let's, because we have the cash, let's rethink our product roadmap or service roadmap, and let's pivot to make sense for, for what makes sense for our customers. 
Mm -hmm. So remember, in the low cash position, you really can't mess with your power roadmap. You don't have the cash to, to really develop. So there's more value prop and strategic. This now you can be a little bit more operational. You can say, we're going to, for example, let's say you had, uh, you, you had a financial tool and you're the difference between we're going to let people uh, submit expenses for the travel. Well, nobody's traveling anymore. Trade shows are shut down or whatnot. So that may not be as important to our customers, but we have the cash. It's going to be a long recovery. So why don't then we develop a way for them to manage their um, uh, forecast, their liabilities? Now that, that's a, that, that, that's that's a tool that that really helps out, right? So right. Uh, when you, you release things, so we're for example, BeamWorks, we're releasing an expense module. Um, we didn't orient it around travel, you know. So we have uh, there's another company that their CEO put out a big long statement saying, you know, you're going to have to start paying for our services that are now at a higher premium simply because all their income really came from people using corporate credit cards on 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 on, on travel. What they should do is say, look, let's pivot our product to make sense for how people are going to be submitting expenses now, given that nobody's traveling. So you can play with your product roadmap and again, say, look, the vision in your head as a founder, your vision in your head as a, as a head of product or CEO, you know, you have to listen to the market. And if that means you make change, you make changes. So, you know, here at Beanworks, you know, we did it. Other companies are doing it. So it's just a question of develop the products that make sense for the your companies in this economy not develop for the, the the products that make sense to you and your vision for what your company does. Right. But curious, even in a pandemic or bear market, you know, energy doesn't just dissipate. So when you have a slowing of the economy, you have a ramping up of other things, right? Energy just kind of gets dis- yeah. gets yeah. dispersed. So what do you think is happening now? As you know, with this shutdown of economy, what wh- where is the energy flowing? What's happening in our local or regional communities? I guess that you haven't seen happen before. Yeah, I think that you know, high tide raises all ships, and low tide raises all you know, all ships as well. So the the average amount of dollars or the average amount of energy, I think, in the market, um, you know, it, it's different. There is a delta; it's undeniable. But that being said, like all things in life, it's not evenly distributed. So who is getting a spike today that wasn't getting a spike uh, yesterday? So there are the counter cyclical businesses, you know, you, and very, very to the point where it's cliche. Now there are the Zoom meetings, the, the, the Netflix, you know, a little bit Amazon that's doing well just yeah. through market forces. But they don't make up all of the, 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 the energy. They don't make up all of the growth. Mm-hmm. It's businesses that can say, look, I'm leaning into my customers needs and I can be efficient. It's efficiency that's the key now. Um, where you would have 20, 30 players all trying to do the same thing. The yes. best companies now are going to actually get, and this is counterintuitive, they're going to grow in this economy because their competitors will drop off. So now there's net, there's less offerings. There's less people out there trying to get to, to the eyeballs and the ears of your customers because they ran, they're running their business incorrectly. They're running it inefficiently. So if you ran a business with great growth practices, with great marketing principles, uh, a great operational efficiency, a great leadership team, that excellence wasn't as recognized because, you know, when the money is flowing as it was mm-hmm. for the last five years, especially the last six years, you know, B players and B companies look like A's because they can just spend their way out of a problem. Now they can't. Right. So what's happening is you're going to notice the, the dissolution, uh, you know, the dissolvement of many companies, but you also look at 
for no real reason. I mean, everybody's going to have a story they're going to tell. Market forces is our product was so amazing. I don't think so. I think it was just extremely well-run companies that did the fundamentals. You had a leadership team that trusted each other. You know, a leadership team that that led with ethics and, and treated their people correctly. And they have like a, a common culture and everybody's rowing in the right direction and all those cliches you can think about. But these things matter now. They matter now. They didn't matter as much in the past because money was abundant. Oh, you, you fell a little short. Oh, yeah, BC will bail you out. Well, customers, you know, they got money. They'll, they'll overpay for product. Now you've got to genuinely, genuinely stand, you know, on the field of battle. And, 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 and it's, you're, you're there on merit. My company is nice. here not because, you know, you have you have a VC with just massive amount of dry powder to deploy or angels who don't know what to do with their money. So we can fake it until we make it. Now you have companies that have to be run well, great leadership, great staff, and, 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 and a humble attitude of saying it doesn't matter what we think matters to the market. It matters what, what the market tells us, uh, what was value. So listen to your customers and produce and solve their problems. Now, you don't have to solve their problems the way they want you to solve their problems because they were still expecting some leadership from you. So still right. solve their problems in ways that blow their mind. And I, I know maybe this sounds like a fluffy answer, but if we unpack it, it's actually a, it's, it's a very hardcore answer. No longer can you, you hide amongst the, 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 the good times, the background radiation of just, you know, pl- plenty. If your company is around in two years, chances are it's because it's a great company. So, and you should have no expectations of trying to survive. You should be growing. You should say every day, one of my competitors, their deficiencies, you know, they've piled up all the, mm-hmm. all the management deficit and the product deficit and, you know, their, their efficiency deficits. Now they're, they're, the chickens have come home to roost. But for us, because we were disciplined, we hired the right way, we work with great people, we take care of our customers, we live by a set of core values, and we're magnetic. The company should be magnetic. You attract the right kind of customer and repulse the wrong kind of customer. So you make sense to serve part of the market, which means you can't be everything to everybody. There's, a, there's customers that just love you, and there's not your customers, and there should be nothing in between. Those companies are going to do incredibly well. So from this, we're going to see... I think a Darwinian sort of evolution of great companies that are going to leapfrog growth, even though they're probably scared right now. If you're a great company, you're just going to grow and you're not going to know why you're going to know because your competitors are going to stop being out there because they're not going to survive. And there's going to be more for you because there's going to be more for you. <laughs> well, and cream, I'm going, I, I just wrote down magnetic because mm-hmm. I know in the beginning you were suggesting that you, maybe you're not the, smartest person on the tool, but I, you have magnetism oozing from you. There's a reason why Beanworks is, is uh, experiencing huge customer growth. I- we have an amazing team. And again, if you meet my, uh, so I'm president, I was brought in by Catherine, our CEO. And you want to really meet real dynamite, uh, dynamo, you, you meet Catherine at some point. She- okay. That's on my bucket list now is meeting her too. But um, let's go back. Can you give me just one? I want to wrap it up and talk a little bit about sure. you on your your reading list. You mm-hmm. said you have a great one. Uh, could you share one or two either inspirational quotes or inspirational people that uh, our, our listeners should follow? Yeah, um, I would do this. I, I, would, I would just rephrase it slightly as what should your leadership team read? Because that's what you have common parlance, common nice. knowledge. Perfect. I would say the, the first book you read, and again, this is this table stakes to the point where there's going to be some eye rolling. Um, you know, read Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Great book. It's just a leadership fable. You can read it over the weekend or one Chipotle's bathroom session. It's a quick read, and it'll it'll give you 
a strategy and a manner by which you can say, okay, what it really does, it gives you a language to say, this is a dysfunction that we're suffering from. So the reason, you know, we're, we're feeling this way is, oh, I, I spotted it. We're, we're now have artificial harmony or we're avoiding, we're avoidance of conflict or we're not being held accountable to results. Why? Because of uh, avoid a lack of trust or, you know, like, so, so it tells you what the common reasons are teams don't work well together and what to do about it. It's not prescriptive. It's descriptive. It's a leadership fable. It's very easy to read. And uh, so that'll be the first book. Once you read that, if you're in the tech space, I highly recommend, of course, you read Scaling Up. Uh, again, it's just, it's, that's very prescriptive. That's do this, do this, do this, do that. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's inspirational as well because it just makes you wow. There's so many, like, it takes about two years to implement the scaling up methodology in your company. Uh, I also recommend that now this is, now this is a little bit more off the beaten path, but there's no reason it should be. Shannon Cisco wrote a great book called, uh, The Metronome System and also another book called The Three Hagway. It's, it's taking scaling up and putting it on steroids. Okay. Uh, so just like scaling up is like, uh, it's a furtherance of the Rockefeller habits. Uh, I would say that the three hag way and three hag means highly achievable goal. So in three years, you can get to a highly achievable goal. And here's a very a roadmap for it. I would definitely recommend your team reading that, but reading that like as, 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 a, as a hardcore playbook, like a recipe, you know, put eggs, put flour. Oh, look, you get cake. And then, and then after that, there's, you know, there's like, there's great at work. There's, there's who, um, there's measures what matters. Like if you're as a leadership team, and again, it's just a recommendation. Try to do a book of the month where you say there's four or five of us or there's six of us or there's two of us if you're just two co-founders or there's just you if you're doing UCOR uh, and it's just your company. But hold yourself accountable with the people you work with to read one book if you can a month. But, but you know, uh, one book a quarter if, if you feel that you can't do it. But don't fall short of that. And then discuss it and say what principles apply to us, what don't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's excellent advice. Kareem, how can we get a hold of you post-podcast? What's the best way? Yeah, just uh, email me at, uh, I'll give you my, well, uh, I'll give you my personal uh, email address. It just okay. email me at uh, uh, kbenjafar. I know it's a tough name. K-B-E-N-J-A-A-F as in Frank A-R, kbenjafar76 uh, at gmail.com. Uh, Who would you love to hear from in the next seven days? Well, I'll, I'll use this question to do a humble brag. So <laughs> one of the things I believe in, you, you motivate your team by doing side projects, right? So we did like a, non, a nonprofit uh, doing the whole COVID thing. So we did something called Gratitudo. It was, it was an app that, you know, when people were cheering on their balconies? Yeah. Uh, but hey, you know, here's a fun little thing people are doing. Why don't we do a free app, no profit, no revenue, no advertising, just something we can do, you know, like a hackathon. And what we do is, you know, we'd have a little hero of the day that goes on like two minutes before a pre-show. And then what happens is when people are cheering, we play a song. So we notice that people like to sing from the balconies. Now you can karaoke and you and your whole neighborhood can like sing. And then at the end, we, we ended with like a spotlight, a hero of the day nominated by the user. So like a uh, could be a doctor or a nurse, could be even like your your food drive, your um, just eats guy who climbs up four sets of stairs to deliver food to an elderly person because of the, the elevator's broken. Like, so we just wanted to bring uh, uh, attention to people doing wonderful things and just make it a positive experience. Well, um, Cheryl Sandberg, CEO of Facebook, uh, reached out to us and she endorsed us. So we're sunsetting it on Canada Day. The last song will be Oh Canada. And uh, and then July 4th, we're going to do the you know Spar- Star Spangled Banner. But you can check it out just to see what Again, we said we're going to do this for a thousand bucks and we do it on our time and, and just see what we can do. 
and we do media pickups, this and that, and again, Sheryl Sandberg's endorsement. So um, the reason I bring that up is I do, it doesn't matter to me who reaches out. It matters to me what their mission is. So Cheryl, obviously, she has her company called Lean In, her nonprofit, uh, based on, on, on uh, honoring her late husband and uh, her work with women towards helping them get into tech and, and overcoming barriers. So because it was mission-oriented, I, I love that. Whoever reaches out, quite frankly, I'd be thrilled if you're aligned in what you want to do. If you want to grow a company by being value-driven, uh, by doing something that matters in the marketplace, and by creating you know, a strong culture uh, that your people come to work delighted in the morning and they leave and they just can't, you know, they, they're tired because they, they got they're exhausted, but they're enthused to come back the next day, reach out. You could be Jeff. I mean, I like Jeff Bezos. I know it's controversial, but I love that guy. But <laughs> I cream, you know, well, I, I'd probably say yes. I'm not going to lie, but I just want to like triple my revenue and by hook or by crook, which he wouldn't do. He's an ethical guy. I'll stand by the statement. Um, don't reach out. You know, I, I'm past that right. stage. I'm not in that. You know, I, I'm into mission-driven companies, value-driven companies, and companies that, again, magnetic. Your customers love you awesome. or they're not your customers. So long That's answer to a very short question, but, you know. It is, but it gave us some context and a little bit of fun. I look forward to uh, hearing Canada Day on the, on the app, if I can find it. Retipudo.org. Yeah, it's on the App Store, uh, Google, and, and Apple. Awesome. Well, and it has been such a pleasure getting to know you a little bit better, and I look forward to uh, meeting you in person hopefully shortly in the next uh, few months. So Kareem, thank you for your time today. No, thank you. And this was a fun interview. Hopefully the, the, the listeners got some value out of it. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to British Columbia's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters and write a review for us on iTunes. Connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at canadaspodcast.com. You can check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'm Angela Fay. See you next time. This podcast is sponsored by eBay Canada. eBay Canada is here to help. They've been supporting Canadian small business retailers for 25 years and have recently launched their up-and-running program to meet an urgent need to get business online today. New business sellers can get a free e-commerce store for 90 days when they visit ebay.ca slash up and running. Access eBay's 170 plus million buyers around the world. With eBay Canada, you can stay local, sell global, and power up. That's ebay.ca slash up and running. Offer is open until August the 22nd.